Section 8 of Birds in All Nature, Volume 4, Number 2, August 1898. Recorded for LibriVox.org by Joe Sela. The Fox Squirrel. Halleck states that the migrations of squirrels have never been satisfactorily explained. What instinct, he asks, brings together such immense droves of these animals from all parts of the country and causes them to move with solid phalanx to distant localities, overcoming all opposing obstacles? A few years since there was witnessed a wonderful sight by inhabitants of Pike County, Pennsylvania. An immense army of squirrels arrived at the banks of the Delaware River late one night, and commenced its passage by swimming the next morning. The whole population turned out, and boys and men equipped with large grain sacks and clubs killed them by the thousands. They kept coming in a continuous stream throughout the morning, and passed on to the woods beyond. Nothing could deflect them from their course, and they were evidently bound for a fixed point. A similar instance occurred some twenty-five years ago, where a vast assemblage crossed the Mississippi. While these migrations are obviously caused by a scarcity of food, it probably is not the only motive which induces them to undertake long journeys. The southern fox squirrel inhabits the southern states from North Carolina to Texas. It is the largest and finest of our North American squirrels. Its color is oftenest gray above and white below, but it is also found of all shades of fulvous and sometimes a deep shining black. Its ears and nose are always white. The western fox squirrel occurs in the Mississippi Valley. Its color is a rusty gray, and its ears and nose are never white. Squirrels feed in the early morning and disappear from eight to nine o'clock, remaining in their holes during the midday hours. They appear again in the late afternoon to feed. During the early morning and late evening, the hunter secures his prey. The little fellows are very shy, but one may seat himself in full view, and if he remains without motion, little notice will be taken of him by the squirrels. The season for hunting them is in fall and winter, although a great many are taken in August when young and tender. An important factor in the pursuit of this animal is the small cur-dog trained for the purpose. He will run ahead through bush and wood, tree a squirrel, and after barking sharply, wait for the master to put in an appearance. A squirrel thus treed will run up the trunk a short distance and curling himself down on a limb will watch his canine pursuer, unmindful of the approach of the two-legged animal bearing a gun. When quite young and inexperienced, a good bag can sometimes be made without a dog. They are very skillful in secreting themselves from view when treed by the hunter, but the presence of the dog seems to utterly upset all calculations of concealment, for knowing the inability of the cur to do them harm, they will sit on a limb and not attempt to hide. The cruel method of smoking out, as practiced by the farmer's son in winter, when the squirrels are snugly curled up in their nests, will not be described in this article. Squirrels vary in size and color according to the country in which they live. In Asia there is a squirrel no larger than a mouse, and in Africa there is one larger than a cat. I am a North American squirrel, one of the common family, as they say. I eat all sorts of vegetables and fruits, as well as mice, small birds, and eggs. I choose my mate in February or April, go to housekeeping like the birds, and raise a family of from three to nine little baby squirrels. Some of my little readers have seen me, perhaps, or one of my family, frisking among the branches or running up and down the trunks of trees. My enemy the hawk gets after me sometimes, and then I run up the tree like a squirrel and hide behind one of the large branches, going from one to another till I tire him out. Squirrels have to be cunning as a fox, as they say. When pursued, and oh, how often we are, by men and boys, as well as hawks, we leap from branch to branch, or from tree to tree, altering our direction while in the air, our tails acting as rudders. At last we are driven into a solitary tree so that we cannot leap into the branches of another. 
Then a boy or a man climbs up, tries to shake us from the limb, and at length succeeds in knocking us to the ground. Off we run again, giving them a long chase, perhaps, but at last are caught, and probably carried home to be kept in a cage like a little prisoner, or maybe in a stuffy wooden box. How can we be happy or playful under such circumstances? I think it is a great shame to put any animal, bird or otherwise, in a little cage, don't you? There are men who make a business of selling squirrels for household pets. If you want a young squirrel, and nobody wants to buy an old one, look at its teeth. If young, they will be almost white. If old, a light yellow. Oh, mamma, cried Dorothy one day, do look at this dear little tame squirrel the good man wants to sell. See how tame it is. It will let me stroke it and never tries to bite. Mamma, who desired her children to have four-footed as well as two-footed friends, bought the tame squirrel for her little girl. Alas, the good man had dosed the poor little animal with laudamin to keep it quiet. It died the next day. End of section 8. This recording is in the public domain.